the network for the AV industry. What are you listening to? This. This is AV. This. This. This is AV Nation. This is AV Nation. This is AV Week. Episode 173, recorded Friday, December 12th, 2014. The Towel of Billy Joel. Ready. AV, AV Week. Performing scan. Week. Online. This is AV Week. This is AV, your weekly wrap-up of audiovisual news and information. Because things happen every week in the audiovisual industry, and, you know, we like to talk about it and tell you what it means and uh, why it should matter to you in uh, in integration world and manufacturer world and uh, technology manager world. So, uh, with us this week is Mr. Christopher Netto from uh, AV Help Desk, as well as, um, well, Red Band and, you know, AV Nation and all that stuff. So how are you, sir? I'm doing well. Good. technical difficulties as usual, but in one piece, hopefully. I'm going to have to get you a new computer or something for Christmas. I don't know. Yes, we go. Uh, also, we go. also with us is Josh Strago from soundreason.org and brand spanking new member of the CTS board at uh, Infocom. How are you, sir? Oh, it's all right. It's it's exciting. It's, you know, all sorts of new challenges coming up. Looking forward to 2015. It's weird to think that I'm already planning into spring of 2015 at this mm-hmm. point, but doing well out here, excited, and, you know, I got to be a part of my first uh, CTS steering committee uh, meeting yesterday and meet all of my uh, compatriots online, and it's it's a great group, and we're going to have a lot of fun over the next couple of years. Very cool. Very cool. How long is that? Is, is that... Uh... Um, I guess service length. Uh, it's a two-year term that okay. I was elected to. All right, very good. Very good. Uh, last but not least, uh, the left-hand side of my brain, and today he's also the right-hand side of my brain. So be careful. <laughs> uh, his name is George Tucker. He's the engineering coordinator for World Stage and uh, all sorts of things at Aviation. How are you, sir? No, I'm doing fine. Thank you very much. Good to see you guys again. And you too, Neto. Been a long time. <laughs> Uh, if you get a chance, uh, <laughs> last night, Mr. The, the the joke there is is Mr. Tucker and Mr. Netto uh, hosted a show from the Sapphire Marketing Party at the Crestron Experience Center um, in uh, Manhattan, and uh, lots of great people came by and talked with you guys. Um, so yeah, that's on our YouTube channel. It's also on our webpage. If you get a chance to, to check that out, you guys did a very good job. So um, I was watching third graders sing Christmas carols. So hey. You know, we all got to have a good time last night, so no, no, it was good. Uh, before we start with the stories, uh, uh, first, a, a really big thank you uh, from me uh, personally and everybody uh, at AV Nation. Um, our, our audience came through in a, in a really, really big way that this week. Uh, we had, about a month ago, kicked off a Kickstarter program uh, to try to raise some funds to go to ISE, Integrated Systems Europe, and uh, you guys did it. You you raised $10,000, so thank you very much, uh, Mr. Netto. Mr. Tucker and myself will be jumping on a plane uh, somewhere in the United States and uh, about February 8th or so and flying over to Amsterdam to bring you some really great coverage uh, from the perspective of integrators and designers and, and uh, consultants and programmers. So thank you very, very much uh, from everybody here at AV Nation. So uh, we'll be bringing you guys some more stuff and, and talking a little bit more about it, but I didn't, uh, I didn't want to start the show without at least saying thank you very much, and, and we really, really, really appreciate it. So. I'll try not to burn down the shop in your absence. I appreciate that. Hey, you know what? If 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 we scrape together a couple more quarters, struggle can go. So, woohoo! Actually, what was it at one time? Uh, Josh said, "You know what? I'll write. I'll be somebody's editor for a week. <laughs> so, <laughs> I'll I'll do anything. You know." Yeah, sell me out. You know, the, the, hey, if people want blogs, I'm happy to generate content. Three grand. You too, Canona, Josh Robinson. You too, can <laughs> for for three low payments of nine hundred ninety nine dollars ninety nine cents. I'll I'll give the discount of that one cent just this one time. Well, I appreciate that. Only one struggle, and, we'll and we'll throw in a matching hat. Yes. <laughs> Yes, you you get Strago's hat for that's what we should have raffled off is Strago's hat for three grand. Which one? There are fourteen of them. I don't care. Well, fourteen. That would be signed. That's fourteen more people we can bring. Are you kidding me? Um, 
Yes, you too can get an actual podcast Warren hat. <laughs> <laughs> All right, let's let's get on with the news, guys. Um, so this week, uh, one of at least my personal favorite uh, technologies introduced something cool. Avenue Alliance has introduced an industrial focus. Boom, boom, boom. They are calling it their fourth pillar. Uh, it's kind of it, it, it. The pillar thing is kind of kind of threw me for a loop, right? <laughs> Uh, it sounds somewhat pseudo-religious or somewhat pseudo-political, right? Because, you know, different pillars of a, of a political um, uh, platform. Uh, but, George, they're talking about industrial control. And mm. that caught my interest, right? I mean, you've got the audio part of AVB. You've got the video part now of AVB. Uh, they also announced that they have a um, certification program for the video part. Uh, so they have a, a certification for the audio part, uh, University of, of New Hampshire still, a uh, certification for the video part because they're doing different things to, to certify that. Now they're talking about industrial control. One of the things that caught my ear uh, and, and it caught my eye when I'm reading this and talking to these folks is the guaranteed packet delivery. Mm-hmm. Let me say that part again. Guaranteed packet delivery. Why does that matter? Well, talk about video and whether or not you want things dropping. Talk about, you know, and Shrago, yes, we'll get to net neutrality and why that matters. Uh, <laughs> um, how that affects. But, George, how big of a deal is this that, that they're going after this, this segment um, uh, of this, this market, this industrial market with, with this control? Well, I think it's a really big deal because they feel confident enough that AVB as a protocol can handle that time-sensitive network stuff. I mean, what is AVB's big claim to fame here besides delivering audio is that they can do it in a way where there's no lag. So when you have a multi-zone you know, uh, home or multi-zone audio, you're supposedly not going to hear any lag between yes. the different rooms because of how AVB works. Well, that's perfect for industrial automation systems and industrial automation uses or even reporting where real-time information comes in without any delay. You know, step it back a bit, Ethernet is a laggy, delayed protocol, or at least topology, right? It's it's all built about error checking and making sure that it gets there, but not in the time uh, urgent way. Uh, So this really does give them a a step into saying, hey, we can do that. We can run a factory, I guess, or we can run some sort form of automated robot assembly. Uh, It's really really nifty. It's, it's sort of following the pattern of MIDI. I know I don't talk about MIDI but much, but MIDI, MIDI did the same thing. You have your standard MIDI, your MIDI show control, and your MIDI um, MMC, MIDI uh, machine control. Okay, so you, you bring up MIDI, um, which uh, it's, it's a great protocol. Does this, does this provide uh, kind of the first baby steps of maybe a standardized uh, control protocol? For, you know, AV for the um, Extron, Crestron, AMXs, or are they going to resist this to no end? I don't know. I have to be honest. It, there's a lot of potential there, but I think if they're smart, what they will do is allow, like MIDI does, that sort of MIDI has something called a SysX message. It's an extremely do, but then would talk on the uh, the greater general MIDI network nicely. So a Roland can talk to a Yamaha, etc. Yeah, uh, but those specific commands couldn't really be done. If they're smart, they'll let it piggyback and say, "Here's the general protocol. Here's the delivery sequence we're going to use. Just fit it within that." And if I'm a Sony, or well, let's not use Sony because they're having too much trouble <laughs> anyway. But if I'm X manufacturer and I want to be able to keep that private, say, a Crestron, an AMX, uh, an RTI, then I would I would go, "Yes, I'm going to adapt that because I can do both." So that makes sense. Uh, Chris, what does this mean for, for corporate where you've got, uh, you know, the uh, Avenue is going after this, this manufacturing segment, uh, but how does that translate, those, those controls and that, and that guaranteed packet delivery, how does that translate into the corporate world? On the manufacturing side? No, no, on, on, your, on the corporate, you know, the corporate installations, the, the control inside corporate buildings. Well, typically... On the, on the corporate building uh, or the corporate rollouts, we're already standardizing on one manufacturer uh, just to make life easier to begin with. If it, if now this is introduced and we're able to go ahead and put in various types of control systems, all, right. all speaking the same language, delivering the same packet, why not? 
Yeah, absolutely. Uh, all right. Um, I, I actually, when I when I first heard this, I, I shot net, I shot uh, Mr. Shrago a, a, a message about it, uh, and I started talking about net neutrality. He was like, ah, it doesn't matter. It's all one closed network. However, uh, when you've got manufacturers that are over several kilometers, uh, or you know, several miles, uh, my buddy uh, Michael Drainer, who uh, currently works for Sennheiser, but in a previous life. Uh, he was a network operations uh, manager. Uh, he worked. He worked the knock at uh, for Anheuser Busch here in St. Louis, and they had one central knock that ran all of their ancillary uh, breweries around the country. So there, it, there's a little bit of concern, isn't there, Josh, about net neutrality with this? Of course, there is. It's a signal going on a network, and at this point in time, because there's no regulation as to how all those signals are going to be treated, and the last pass that the FCC made of, hey, well, you know, we might be doing something along these lines, uh, was a big effect for content generators, but they didn't define what a content generator would be. They were treating it like your home and, and Netflix and Hulu, and they're still focusing on that, which is good for people because it's the emphasis that so many people are using the network on, but it doesn't necessarily protect guys like us and the industry and how we're sending control signals or audio or video across a network that involves an ISP. Now, simultaneously, there are other factors involved here, specifically that uh, we have to make sure that we have the bandwidth available as we're getting two places, and the FCC just in the last 24 hours uh, voted and ruled that any uh, network being built in the U.S. that's using Connect America funds that's broadband now has to be defined as 10 megabit down, 1 megabit up, which used to be only a 4 megabit down, 1 megabit up um, uh, network. So they're actually forcing the networks themselves to improve if they're using these Connect America funds. Now, finding out who's using those Connect America funds, I didn't. Have, I just found out about this this morning, so I didn't get to see the research. And of course, some of the bigger ISPs are fighting it and saying, "Oh, well, most people don't need that." But if you're putting more area in the pipe, you know, you're giving more access to more people, to more data, and that in and of itself is the part that's really missing in all of this when it comes to moving data around. The net neutrality aspect is. A lot of people that are defense saying Title II, Title II, Title II. Well, my big defense against that is Title II isn't quite the most effective thing in the world just due to the fact that there isn't an even playing field everywhere. And because this new ruling will force any expanding networks to be improved to a higher standard, it would allow signals like these to pass along that, which, again, the part that I go back to is you, you in terms of the, the avenue guarantee is how are they guaranteeing that? How are they making that guarantee of, you know, this signal is going to get there? Is it the Ethernet redundancy factor? Are they sending redundant packets? How big is this signal going to be as it sends it? Because, you know, as I just said, we've got it now. Mm. We're now going to start seeing 10 megabit pipes being built. Okay, great. How big is this signal going to be as it heads down that pipeline, and how much traffic is that going to take? And then we get back into the net neutrality debate as to how these things are going to be treated. So it's this never-ending ball of stuff that just keeps getting more and more tangled until we see a regulation from the FCC on net neutrality. Funny you should ask, <laughs> because I asked the exact same question. And it is redundancy, right? It's sending the, sev the packet several different times at several different iterations. Uh, but here's the thing, dude. We're talking about control, right? We're talking about ones and zeros, and I shouldn't say uh, minor ones and zeros, right? I mean, even if we're talking in hex or ASCII, you're not talking about, you know, Iron Man in 4K. <laughs> this is, you know, this is I mean, what's the biggest Crestron program I ever wrote? I think it was like, you know, 45 megs, maybe. And that was the entire code, right? That was the entire machine code. It wasn't, you know, uh, the commands so i don't i don't see it being that big and unless unless you're worried about the flood of information is that what you're worried about well look at it this way okay so what, uh, say michael drainer was sending a signal to his west coast operations at 
you know, Central Standard Time, just as he's leaving his, you know, just as he's getting ready to leave his offices. Well, right about that time is when everybody's going home and signing onto YouTube, signing into Netflix, and that becomes 50% of the traffic on the network. Okay, great. Depending on the regulation that the FCC goes with, and if there's fast lanes, how much bandwidth are they going to be limited to to send that 45 meg file? It doesn't seem like much. But it's kind of like pissing in the ocean, and if you funnel that ocean down to a really, really tiny thing, it's going to take a lot more time to get all of that across. I do believe that hey. is the first time that phrase has ever been uttered on this show. <clears throat> Nor the last. Nor <laughs> very nice, very nice. Yeah, I said this to uh, to Josh earlier. The whole AT and T saying, you know, well, most people need X amount of bandwidth. That should be enough. And the first thing I thought of is the uh, the apophical, not apophical story of Bill Gates and 640K should be good enough for anyone anyway. Yep. <laughs> Did they not learn from history? <laughs> well, that's the thing is, and I and, I, and you 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 hear different stories. I don't know if this one is true or not, but it's a, it's a good analogy. You know, even if it's not, it's a good analogy. Uh, the story of the uh, the patent clerk in the early turn of the century 1900s who said mm -hmm. you know we should we should shut up the patent office cuz everything that that could be invented has been invented you know yep. um uh, it's actually to... only an apophical story but it's a very good one yeah yeah you know snopes is kind of i think the last time i checked snopes on it it was uh, undecided so nobody really knows <laughs> um all right, from my buddies over at SCN, the giant, the largest they do this every year um the the top 50 integrators in the country, uh, not in the world. Um, here's the thing, though, and and the only reason I'm gonna I, I bring this up because uh, there's a lot of our friends on here. Uh, Kelly uh, Perkins AVI Systems is on here uh, at number four. Uh, we have some buddies over at Whitlock, some friends at AVI Systems. Um, I don't know anybody at Diversified, uh, HB Communications, Ford. I mean, there's a lot of people on here uh, from from a lot of great places. The question is, and, and uh, Neto, we'll, we'll start with you on this. Um, does, uh, how do you get there, I guess, is the best way to ask this. Because, um, you know, it, in, in my, my full-time job, is, is uh, I work for a company called Innovat. I'm the director of operations. My business model is, is connecting with um, smaller integrators, right? And, and I've got a lot of mom and pops and, and uh, smaller firms, you know, 10, 20 people, who can't afford programmers, so they hire us, and then, then, then that, you know, that's how we get in there. How does a, a small, you know, 15-man and woman integration house in Des Moines, Iowa, go from that to, you know, AVI Systems, or uh, AVI SPL, being the top of the uh, SCN 50? Time, luck, acquisition. But what, okay, so so maybe okay, so so ABI SBL was the wrong one. Whitlock. Oh yeah, let's let's take let's take acquisition out of the scenario there, right? <laughs> um, and that may be unfair, but but a number of these people have not gotten there through acquisition. So, I mean, yes, time and luck, but is that just is that it? Well, I mean, you're you're building you're building something from nothing. Yeah. Um, you know, obviously the small moms and pop shops start off by being a specialized niche area and they become recognized for that and then start expanding and the only way you're going to grow is through investment obviously within from the company in the either in the people or in the products um, once you become very good at something manufacturers take notice manufacturers will then help you um, whether that is you know putting you in front of the right people because they respect your work or the quality of work that you're doing, it it it, it doesn't happen overnight. It's farmed out. It's uh, unless you're going to go the acquisition way in business. Uh, this these companies that have made the top 50 are top 50 by monetary value. Yeah, uh, and SEN clearly puts that there. So their their days of doing the small one-off jobs are done. They're now sitting there and getting the major projects. You know, a lot of those people on the top five, top ten, are, you know, grabbing projects like stadiums that take a year, two years to build. And it's a big lump of change up front, or at least a big chunk of it up front. Um, and how do you get there? I've had that conversation with people um, in the industry who do the big arenas and big stadiums and the monster jobs that you see focused on 
um, on the covers of these magazines, um, even amusement parks and stuff like that. It's you gotta you gotta work your way with the designers, the architects of that niche area. And once you're in and you're producing the you know the quality work that you that that, that earns you the spot to be there, then you're just going to be on that list and you're going to constantly get the calls to hey. We're building a new, uh, you know, uh, experience center. We're we're doing a new amusement park down in uh, in in Georgia. You know, come down. I know that you guys are in New York, but you guys do great work. Word of mouth, and then especially when they get comfortable with uh, consultants and integrators and all the consultants, uh, uh, architects and designers, then it becomes I'm going to go to my go-to guy. Yeah. Aren't though the the one-offs kind of your bread and butter though? I mean, some a lot of these jobs um, I worked on, I, what I would call two significant jobs this year, and, and we've got two more coming up at uh, first part of next year. Those suckers take six, eight months, sometimes a year and a half. Where where yeah, you might get between forty and sixty percent upfront uh, if you're lucky. Uh, I had a client this year that didn't get any upfront. That's a whole other story. Um, but uh, isn't that kind of your 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 daily, you know, the the one-offs are kind of what keeps your your cash flow going though? Even for the bigger guys? I'm not saying that they don't do that. Okay. Uh, on a daily basis. I mean, not every sales guy that they have in their office is hitting home runs. You know, they got dedicated teams that are doing nothing but that, you know, hunting down those big jobs. Yeah. The day-to-day jobs are, you know, keeping the lights on maybe. I mean, some of them are so huge of a company that, you know, the small jobs are are, are are like pissing in the ocean. There we go. There we go, uh, Lord. I can use it twice. In a, you know. I am not <laughs> naming this show Pissing in the Ocean, just so you know. Okay. Nobody's pissing in the ocean. Thank so you. We'll filter that out. All right. Jeff. Um, so yeah, those small jobs are what, what, are what keeps the lights on. But, you know, and, and there's room for everything because you got to keep your guys active. If you're a business yeah. owner, you want to keep your techs on the road, you want to keep them sharp, the best way to do it is to keep active. But, um, you know, they have, maybe they even, you know, dedicated teams that are just out there hunting those particular type of big projects, you know. Uh, but they all started knocking by, by knocking on doors and hanging TVs and didn't doing that route. They just escalated it. And then once that, you know, that, that initial formula was built and put together, then they started expanding into the, these specialized areas. And they all do. The, the top guys have that that. Uh, so I'll go same question to you. Uh, you work for a very nice integrator out on the West Coast in the San Francisco area. Mm-hmm. How would you, I mean, you, you guys aren't, aren't like, you're, you don't work for AVISPL, right? You don't work for a bigger one. So how would you advise your bosses um, or someone coming to you to take your current group and, and maybe grow them uh, to get to the top 50? That was the interesting part that I, f- I found about this article more than anything else is the final line before they give the list is these are voluntary. Yes. So I started running down the numbers as to where these guys are monetarily, where these guys are size-wise. It turns out my company would actually fit in the high 30s, low 40s. Wow. Monetarily, okay. like money-wise and, and size and what we do in a year, we theoretically could have made this list. And I've seen – five competitors that I deal with on a regular basis that are on this list, but they're also multiple office competitors. We we're just a single location in San Jose. Uh, I saw Avidex on there. I saw Anderson on there. I saw AVISPL on there. I saw Whitlock on there. All of these guys are competitors to ICS. And I thought it was interesting that, you know, we do enough business, but it's a matter of letting people know. And sometimes you know, that's the big thing that doesn't come out and this industry is so niche and sometimes it gets so behind itself in making sure that people are aware of what we're doing mm-hmm. that letting the public know that we do it and even letting ourselves know that we do it, you know, there, there's a certain amount of privacy that might still be there of, oh, well, we don't want to tell our competitors what we're doing or how well we're doing. But, you know, it's sometimes it's nice to brag a little bit and pat yourself on the back that you've had a good year. Yeah. So, you know, we could have been on that list if we had submitted potential. I mean, I'm not saying we would have been, but we, you know, there's potential that ICS could have made that list. It exists. Um, we do some wonderful projects here in the Bay Area, and that was something that I, I mean, I, I chimed in with that when this was released. Was uh, I didn't see any one single company headquartered in the Bay Area, which really surprised me, given the amount of money being spent in Silicon Valley. I would have expected 
somebody uh, from the Bay Area to be on that list. And then I got to the voluntary part and I thought, okay, well, you know, there's a lot of guys on there that are working in the Bay Area, but they aren't necessarily headquartered here. So it, it kind of was that that aspect of you're seeing some phenomenal companies. They're doing great business, and Chris is right. You know, They've done it through years of experience, through acquisition and expansion. They're doing projects all over. The one-off projects get them notoriety, but those one-off projects also are less profitable than almost all than the day-to-day work that you're going to get from a continuing company. So these are also the guys that are seeing that one-off project for the notoriety, but also keeping in mind that it's their everyday clients that are going to keep them afloat. Yeah. And they recognize yeah. both patterns of that and are being very, very good at keeping both business models up and running, potentially through different offices or through different staff. So that's that's kind of where I come at it with the, with okay. the list. No, that makes sense. Thanks, uh, Tim. Yes, sir. I worked for an integrator at one point that, um, you know, and and worked with many integrators who have just taken that, that, that big project. They will take the bath on it. But it's the project to get noticed. You know, it's almost like I got to do this to pay my dues. So I do one of these. Hey, look at me. I'm here. I can handle it. They'll take the hit just so that they are on the on the next list for the next big project. And then they will start recuperating, their, you know, recouping their costs. Because Josh is absolutely right. There's a lot of people that, you know, will go in over their head on these projects and will put 110% into it not make anything on it but you know what they have the they could put that now on their customer list they have they're basically doing it for the referral and they've caught the attention of other people and you know whether it's other consultants who have now see their project now on the cover of a um, prominent magazine yeah. or if the thing gets publicity I mean this happens all the time you know look at what happened down in um, in Atlantic City with the revel I, I can't tell you who was the person who did that install of the control system that's in every room of that building. Now the Rebel's closed. It was some XYZ um, integrator who went down to Atlantic City, monstrous hotel, monstrous project. Everybody was waiting to hear it, but they go in and it's literally the bids are, you know, the bid response coming back and they're low. So people just want to go in there, put their name on the project, put their name on the building and then hope that the next one they're going to start recuperating that stuff. And with a lot of these big companies, how many of those, you know, take the top five guys or the top ten guys who have a history who can go back within their company and say, were they actually were these big projects actually profitable at first? No, they're probably making a profit now because now they have that respect of, hey, they can handle something this big, yeah. and they've shown it because look at this customer list. Yeah, uh, George, something that Josh said kind of struck me. Can you give me kind of a maybe a... Uh, both sides of this, why you would or would not want to be on this list. I mean, like like Josh said, this was a voluntary list. There may be several, uh, you know, people that we know um, that do not uh, want their their financials known, and it's not really financials. You're not telling pe- people who you're working for or what projects you're working on. You're just saying, hey, you know what? At at the end of the year, this is this is kind of how much we're making, or, or this is where we're shooting for. I don't, I mean, I used to work for a recording studio that was one of the bigger names out there and they never, ever wanted to be in the trades. And the reasoning really was is they didn't want to be cherry picked and they just did their job. They weren't really into promoting who was there. When, when you know, you know. I could see some people saying, look, we don't want to show the year end uh, fiscal from last year to this year showing either a drop or showing a, you know, an increase of any kind of dramatic. I think there could be employee and then vendor issues. Who knows? Now you're earning, you're earning enough in profit. Why isn't X, Y, or Z happening? And some people are just private about it. I mean, we're not publicly held companies for the most part. Yeah. And, you know, the details of that, however minimal, you don't really want to put the press out there. I mean, you and I could probably find them if we really wanted an information <laughs> and find returns and all that kind of stuff. But who really wants to? Uh, that's the only reason I could think that you would not want to participate. You know, I, it's, it's an honor, but it's really not an honor, say, akin to being the best, uh, the best, um, I can't think of it, um, vendor for a manufacturer. Yeah. Partner yeah. or whatever. You know, it's still a pretty good thing, but hey, uh, that's really all that is. But you asked earlier, you know, well, how, do, how does someone rise up that list? And we've all given really good examples of that. And, you know, buy your bootstraps, doing, uh, 
jobs that may be a little bit out of reach, but then doing 110% to get the other ones so you can sort of ramp up. And all I could think of is the sage Billy Joel and his lines, all it takes is looks and a whole lot of money. <laughs> and in reality, that's what it is, baby. Um, you know, the looks are what are people's perceptions and a lot of money is whether you're losing it or gaining it. That's what's happening. I don't think I've ever heard Billy Joel being referred to as a sage either. So, mm. Well, he's all over in the New York area because he's playing Madison Square Garden every other month. For the umpteenth time. I think, I, yeah. what was it, next June he breaks Elton John's record? Is that right? Yeah. Yeah, uh, 65 or 66 times. So good, good for, good and, for the uh, boy. You know, spoiler, I bet you Elton John shows up. Well, then, that would be cool. They, they did a tour a few years ago, a couple times, actually. Yeah, so uh, that's what I'm saying. They would, he would probably yeah. show up. Yeah, so... That's the show to go to. That is the show to go to. So Elton John and Billy Joel. Wow. All you twenty somethings can just look at us old farts while we, <laughs> while we, while we kind of ooh and ah. Uh, uh, interesting thing. Uh, Infocom is co-locating with NAB. Um, announced last week. Uh, Infocom International and NAB have announced that their events, Infocom Connections, and Content and Communications World (CCW). Uh, and SatCon will co-locate November 11th and 12th, 2015 at the Javits uh, Convention Center. Uh, it's in New York City, uh, if you don't know, are familiar with the Javits. Uh, George, this is, the, the, the Connections is the thing that, that uh, they're having in San Jose next, um, um, n- next year, early 2015. Mm-hmm. But this was the, the event that was in March, yeah. Um, this was the event that they were supposed to have in Philly this year, right? And it kind of got canceled with some um, logistic issues and some issues with the, yeah. with the venue itself. Yeah. Um, is this a good idea? I mean, is this a good idea for, for Infocom to kind of partner up with NAB, National Association of Broadcasters, if you don't know what NAB stands for? Um, a pretty significant, you know, trade organization in and of itself, a pretty significant mm-hmm. trade show in Vegas every, uh, every April in and of itself. So is this a good idea for them to, to hook up with, with the guys over at NAB? You know, it's, it's a question of, for years we ask ourselves, why do I go to X show when I can go to Y? Mm-hmm. And they sort of overlap. And I, mean, I don't know if Infocom really overlaps NAB in that way, although some of the same vendors do show. Pieces, yeah. Because, you know, we're getting that huge overlap in vertical and a horizontal market. So it just it happens. Uh, I, I, I see there a potential for very good relationship there. Um, there are people who are doing not just broadcast, but outfitting their facilities outside of the broadcast sector or section. So I could see them saying, hey, I'm in charge of all these huddle rooms now, and we're just going to do it because you're the tech guys. It makes sense to me. Um, any other potential? I'm not really sure. I'm just damn happy that they're going to be in my backyard and I can go. <laughs> well, yes. <laughs> it's, just a, it's just a subway fare away, man. You don't have to take a train now to, to Philadelphia. With that. Oh, no, wait, you, and, you and Chris were going to... Rent a van for some odd reason. Yeah, so. yes. Yeah. More on that later. Who wants to spend a you know a day in a van with Chris Netto? So, oh, hey, there he is. He's back. So, uh, Chris, is there a mixtapes? Yeah, yeah. mixtapes. Are you are you ready, Mister Netto? No, he doesn't look ready. Uh, Josh, uh, no, is this give is me this a minute. all right? Is this a good idea for for Infocom to to hook up and co-locate with NAB? Uh, <laughs> I think that. This is further development of the new wave of Infocom. Such uh, that, how, how so? Well, we've known for uh, David Lebuskis has now been there two years, so it's kind of reached that point of you know he's starting. He he's been around. He's seen what's been going on, and he's starting to uh, utilize the the team that he has around him to push Infocom in new directions and expand Infocom's reach and expands Infocom's partnerships. And I've, I, I know I've been one of the more critical people of, of leadership in the industry this year. And this is, to me, a further example of Infocom taking the initiative to, to look at reaching beyond. Okay. I also think that there's a certain amount of silent contrition here that while the, in, the event in Philadelphia didn't go off particularly at all, um, this gives them the chance to buy in with a local group and you know, experiment with, they're going to come to San Jose and they're going to, I mean, they're coming to the center of the tech world yeah. in March and odds are I'll be there. Um, then they're going to go to 
uh, New York, and they're going to pair with somebody. So they're, they're going to be able to run it in two different ways, where uh, an area where there's a ton of tech managers and a lot of people that are doing technolo technological development, and they're going to be able to go to a place where there's a built-in audience and pair with them and see sort of that they're experimenting. It, it kind of That's what it kind of feels like to me is they're experimenting a little bit with how to make these regional shows the most effective for the participants. And in doing so, they're going to be able to expand the reach and they're going to be able to expand the program offering. There's also the aspect that they're, you know, trying to go beyond their audience. I mean, Infocom doesn't have a huge broadcast contingent to it, but now we might be able to get at the, some of the attention of the broadcast industry, or we might be able to see more partnerships with the broadcast industry and, and look in that way. So I see this as kind of, not necessarily uh, a finite endpoint, but more of a stepping stone of this is this is the next phase. Okay, we've got we've reached where we are. We're expanding our reach. We're expanding our partnerships. We're trying to go beyond. Okay, now this is the next pl next step we have to go to is let's start to push a little bit harder for the the AV world mm -hmm. in and of itself collectively uh, under the Infocom umbrella and expand that umbrella a little bit farther to edge into NAB and start tell, talking to them about what we're doing and what we're, they're doing and how we can partner. So I, I kind of see that more as where this is going. And I think it's a great thing for the industry. I, I don't know how well it's going to work yet, but I don't think anybody really does yet. No, no. Uh, George mentioned, you know, the, the debate every year, um, you know, which show do you go to? Uh, I know a lot of folks, um, uh, Rich Fergoza from Fergoza Design, out in your neck of the woods, Josh, uh, he goes to CES and to CDIA every year. Uh, I know our buddy Matt Scott from Omega Audio Video um, for a lot of years would go to NAB uh, as well as uh, Infocom because uh, he does a lot of work with the church market and there's a lot of broadcast stuff. Um, but I, I'm, I'm interested, right? I, I saw this and I'm like, that could be a really good thing uh, because of what George talked about. You know, there's there are folks who are, who are outfitting broadcast-like um, uh, installations. Um, this week or last week, uh, I think Commercial Integrator uh, Craig McCormick wrote a piece about, I think he called it Broadcast Light or, or something to that effect, where there are, are installations, not just churches and, and, and schools, but uh, law offices that are doing their own production and, and other installations where you're, you're not putting in a full uh, Grass Valley, you know, video switcher. And if, if you're not familiar with what, what Grass, Grass Valley is, Grass Valley is a is a higher end, you know, video uh, switcher. Uh, they also make some audio gear and some camera gear. Uh, but you're putting in, you know, a pretty decent size, you know, a pretty decent, you know, Canon or a pretty decent um, a Sony or, you know, some higher end cameras. So either, you know, you can do higher in quality uh, video work. So I think it's a good thing. Uh, Mr. Neto, are you are you back with us officially or? Uh, we can try. Okay. <laughs> if, uh, what do you think about uh, Infocom and, and NAB hooking up together? It, it would be great because I'm one of those that, are, that does have projects that are auditorium lights or uh, broadcast light for that matter. Um, you know, and when we talk about that, it's, you're giving the the, the robotic cameras um, that the um, broadcast guys are, are looking for to cut back on people with sticks and cameras in, in an auditorium, for example. Um, and then you're sort of building this hybrid uh, a control system DSP type thing where in the, the world of the broadcast people, everything is done manually. Yeah. George can attest to it. Everything switches knobs and weighted knobs, as we talked about yesterday and faders and cross faders and stuff like that so what we're doing is basically this type of hybrid system where you have you know a video conferencing system a dsp a control system video switching being done um and that it operates in a user mode that anybody can come in and use and it's your basic settings for you know video conferencing audio conferencing no lighting you know just your basic lights that you you know integration into some sort of uh, graphic eye that would be the day-to-day -day use but when it comes in and it goes into the advanced mode, the advanced mode is now the, you know, we're bringing in auxiliary equipment that adds into it um, and giving it more of that broadcast feel. Now we have the mixing board that is, you know, taking over everything. And it works with products like the Biamps and the, and the Clear Ones and stuff like that. Um, it's not truly broadcast that you would find in the studio, but it's enough to put together webcasts uh, which are huge, in, at least in the corporate world, webcasting yeah. is the broadcast way out. 
so yeah, I think you know you have a show like NAB allows now, uh, especially on you know, and this NAB uh, show, you can now take a little bit of of, of both. I guess it, it will give the tech managers that are on site the, all right, this is Infocom back. We go to Infocom. Maybe it's the same type of setup that we see in Infocom, but it's more broadcast, you know, uh, focused. Maybe that's what they've been looking for because some may be disappointed that they go to Infocom and there's only a small section of broadcast, yeah. uh, you know, uh, people there. So all shows are good shows, man. Well, not not all shows. <laughs> <clears throat> there are some that you know, yeah, yeah. Uh, yeah That's I, I, true. <laughs> I do see it as as a good thing. Uh, the other thing is is it it exposes Infocom to a whole swath of, of new people. Um, I spent the first part of my my real working career in, in broadcasting, uh, so I knew all about NAB. I had no idea who Infocom was uh, until I started getting into the nuts and bolts of, of installation and and integration. And you know, I, I quickly learned and and, and quickly. Uh, appreciated who who infocom was but yeah you know when i was a broadcaster no idea who who infocom was so that also might be a you know a good uh, a good fringe benefit to this so you know and and something to 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 speak to i we mentioned the broadcasters what they do but remember that where the javits center is is only about 10 to 15 blocks from where most of the new york city broadcasting is located wow the west side in the 50s is where CBS, ABC, NBC, and others are located. Uh, they are all there. So if Infocom and NAB are together and they get exposed, that is enormously, uh, the, the expo exponential number of people exposed to Infocom is just mind-boggling. Very cool. Yeah. Have yeah Infocom has never been in the Northeast. I mean, in the sense of show-wise, they've never been to the Javits Center. They've never been to Atlantic City or <clears> Philadelphia. <throat> Or any of the major convention, you know, in the Northeast Convention side. I mean, they do smaller things, but one of the things they, you know, have never came to is they've never been at Javits, and you know, yeah. that is where a lot of big shows. I mean, other conventions, you know, go to. It's either it's either the Javits Center in New York, it's Vegas, maybe San Diego, uh, and New Orleans used to be a hopping uh, convention area as well, as far as like you know, they can accommodate the big shows. Um, obviously, Atlanta, but New York is not some place that they uh, have played at, Joe. Yeah, that kind of surprises me since since Infocom's you know headquarters are there right, just south of there. So, all right, uh, real quickly, um, our uh, friends over at AB Network. As our workforce uh, changes, as they're writing a piece, uh, tech managers must keep up. Uh, and what they're talking about, the, it's written by a uh, gentleman by the name of David Zuckerman uh, on uh, avnetwork.com. They talk about not only uh, the changing role of the tech manager, uh, but also the changing technology. Uh, Josh, we'll start off with you on this one. What um, either classes or what technology or, or who should the tech managers be talking to uh, as you know, everything develops and everything changes, how, who should they, uh, how, how should they keep up with both not only the technology, but also, you know, their workflow? Stop sleeping. Oh, they're nice. Um, the, if, if a tech manager is going to end up being responsible, and that's a very broad title. <laughs> so well, they, they so can let's, be responsible. No, hang on, hang on. You, 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 get, you, you make a good point. Let's, let's define it as, you know, uh, the college or or building tech manager, right? So it's the person who's responsible for the AV in, in whatever rooms. Okay. So those kind of tech managers understanding, uh, partnering with Infocom and keeping up with their training courses, partnering with uh, keeping an eye on what's going on in the IT world to understand how the signals are going to start being distributed between the devices. All of that's going to be very, very important to them. And I know for a fact that you know just keeping a, a building running is is a full time job. Keeping a campus running is a full time job. Uh, be it a, a corporate facility, be it a university, it, it could be a you know community college. It doesn't matter. It's it's a lot of energy and time to make sure that the systems are just constantly functioning. Uh, one of the other things that they really want to be paying attention to right now is user interfaces. Uh, that's that's one of the biggest aspects of a tech manager's life right now is making sure that a system is easy to understand for anyone that walks into that room. Uh, 
Yep. And understanding that user interface capability is going is huge for them, and that gets into graphic design kind of things. So it, it, while the tech manager role itself has to have a nice little understanding of all of these things, uh, I'm I'm starting to see this transition more to a team of people that are going to be able to help translate this, or more reliance on the integrators themselves to help them translate the vision for that they that they see. But it's going to be uh, having these tech managers, and I mentioned this at info. I mentioned this in. My, my post Infocom piece was the sheer number of tech managers at Infocom this year yeah. was off the charts. It was huge by comparison uh, to what we've seen in the past. And last year was a big one as well, but it was even a jump, a step up from that. And I don't remember the specific numbers, but they're making an effort. The tech managers are making an effort. And that goes back to the Infocom show, which this, these regional shows are specifically targeted at tech managers. That's who they're trying to get to attend these, to get them the education and to reach out and get them that information. So the partnership from the industry to these tech managers is starting to evolve, and the recognition of the need of education is starting to evolve. So it's just getting that information in their hands as opposed to just the industry hands because these guys are running a facility every day. They don't necessarily have the access to it. So moving on uh, and getting the integrators out there to spread that message and publicizing that message in a way that people outside of the AV and the guys that are programming and installing and designing every day are going to have access to it is going to be the biggest way to help push those tech managers forward. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, Mr. Neto, uh, you used to be a tech manager. Now you're you're a consultant. Um, uh, what uh, what would you say uh, is the best way to, for for these folks to to keep up on on the latest technology and trends? Well, outside of uh, you know following the, what we do online, obviously. Very very nice. Very well done. Um, honestly, you don't have. A I, hey, have I'm the content creator. Show. You're the marketer. <laughs> <laughs> so here. You're left to, um, as when I was a tech manager working for a corporate company that had nothing to do with audiovisual. Yeah. Um, it came down to really a couple things that I could do to stay relevant. One was obviously following the the trade publications and stuff like that. Two, seek out training. Um, first, the stuff that was online, uh, take care of 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 trainings that I thought was um, that I could get for free or seminars, attend seminars, stuff like that, and then you have to go to shows. Um, before the big decisions of, all right, we're going to move into, a, we're going to switch video conferencing equipment. You just don't do that. You have to weigh out your options. You have to see what the, you know, what the big manufacturers are of, of video conferencing, for example, the time we're doing. And before we make those decisions, going to a place like Infocom, and to be honest with you, wearing the hat, the glasses, and the fake nose, and walking around and not showing yourself as a tech manager so you get the real experience of, let me take a look at what some of this stuff is, and let me hear the chatter about the different types of companies that are out there. I mean, look at the new companies in the UC space like Pexip and Econo mm -hmm. that are, you know, disrupting, for lack of a better term, you know, uh, or for another term because that's overly used, but for disrupting that that game, per se. Um, you see the products, it's impressive. I mean, they truly are impressive. But you are, you know, as a, as a tech manager, you may just go there knowing the big three in in, in the Polycoms and the, the, the Cisco's. And well, there is a third, but I don't know what the third would be anymore. Life size. I would still, life put, size? I would still okay. put life size in there, yeah. Okay. You can put life size in there as, as, as one of the three. And then you got those other guys that. Have that are that are chipping away and breaking uh, away at, at at that lead at that top three position. I remember when I was in um, uh, a couple different roles where we were where we had uh, an opportunity to look at uh, Tamburk, and Tamburk was the up and coming at the time. Um, they had some you know some pretty impressive stuff, and they were going up against some giants at the time. Uh, the, you know the Polycoms, the Picture Tells, and that mm -hmm. whole group of the ISDN video conference and codex and stuff like that, and some of the stuff that they did was 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 striking in that they were one of the companies at the time that were you know really going for that integrator they were very integrator friendly you know professional connectors and types uh, type stuff in the back of the uh, of their codex they were rack mounted they weren't appliance based Is everything okay yeah all right I thought my, my audio was all of a sudden cutting out on me so it's te it's bad tech day but anyway 
as a tech manager, you have to go to these, these shows. You have to see the comparison side by side. Though it may be a little bit of a facade, well, a lot of a facade of what is going on at the shows, you're at least getting to see the hardware in action. You get to see and talk to people. And the best experience you have is that when you were a tech manager and I was a tech manager, I can actually rub elbows and go to you and go, you use this stuff? And if you were to tell me no and just give me a quick explanation of why you don't use it, that would make me want to go find out more of why that is not good. And because I may have been leaning towards that product. So the, the, the shows and one of the things that we've talked about uh, as far as a community and networking and stuff like that, the shows are invaluable. Yeah. Because I can run into other tech managers who've been in that situation, who've made that mistake and would want to share the information of you don't want to make that mistake that I did because it was a bad experience and here's why. Yeah. Yeah, that's and that I, I didn't even think about that. That's that's a really good point is the ability to kind of uh, you know, share each other's experiences. Uh, that is why I encourage any tech manager that I run into is is to join the council. I mean, I, I really believe in it. Uh, it, it was a sad day when I had to tell, you know, and I had to tell him, you know, I, I can no longer be on this. Um, I'm, I'm no longer a tech manager. Now, I'll be on it, but, you know, understand I'm a programmer and I'm, I'm a consultant. So um, maybe I'm naive, Tim, but I wouldn't want anybody to go through the pain that I went through. Oh, yeah, absolutely. Yeah, I absolutely. And, and, and here's the thing. A lot of folks in this industry are like that, where. They don't want you to have to go through that that um, that that same pain if, if they can help if they can help it at all, uh, Mr. Tucker. We'll wrap up the show with you. Um, what would you? What advice would you give? Um, you're in, you're responsible for training an awful lot of folks um, at World Stage, and um, you know you you keep these these kids uh, um, educated and, and up on on it. So, what would you? What advice would you give to tech managers? Well. <clears throat> It's it's an obsessive compulsive industry, right? Uh, I'm gonna I'm going from movies to songs today. Uh, you know, Bowie says change may time me, but I can't change time. So you have to always be willing and ready to explore every avenue of information. The trade shows are a big one, but there's a continuing education, whether it's Infocom or Cedia or the rest, or just going out there and listening to the tech blogs, the tech journals finding where that stuff is. AVB was bubbling around in, in the journals for a long time and going out and finding out what it really meant is what you needed to do. And it was actually something that led me to what understanding what live streaming was about, yeah. not just what we're doing here at Google, but when you do it from say a show and streaming, you know, via, you know, not just you stream, but using that technology. So you connect the dots very quickly and be willing to do that. I think that's the important part is connect the dots. What is this? All right, I've learned about that. They mentioned it's this. Go learn about that. You know, the thread never ends. And especially when they, they make a big deal about the millennials, millennials want to learn in collaborative spaces. They want to learn while you know working together. Not one single person writes the report. They all sort of bring the information together, sort of like an advertising agency works to make an ad. It's a big board. You do your work. Everybody gets together, and it's not a single effort. And that's the way it happens where I work, which is not a single effort. We all sort of throw in the hat things to do, and what we can actually do gets comes out of that. And then the rest of it is, hey, guys, here's some upgoing, ongoing information that you may want to be interested in. And we do that. We send emails to people. We send a little text sheet. You know, it, it really comes down, because you can't send everybody to those shows. Yeah. No, you can't. Right? So you have to find ways to filter that information back and continue to find that information, because as you well know, not just for broadcasters like us, but if you're going to a show, you need a plan. Oh what baby! I want to see, and then I want to say, "What's the buzz?" Okay, I gotta go find out what the buzz is. But there's got to be a plan of what you need to see. Otherwise, you just wander around bumping into things. Yeah, and, and let me let me uh, jump off on that. It, make your plan early. <laughs> yeah, um, and that that that's a kind of a, a joke amongst us because I didn't make our plan as early as I should have for Infocom this year. Uh, but like back to John Green and, and experiencing those trade shows via social media. Um, even if you're doing it that way, I know if, if John did it again, I would advise him to, you know, make a plan, you know, figure out who he wants to see, you know, remotely or, or he, who he needs uh, his people to see and go by and interview. So yeah, absolutely. Make your plan and make it early. So speaking of which, somebody's going to have to get on, uh, on the ISE plan. So, uh, so thank you because, uh, you guys again, uh, helped us raise $10,000 and, and Mr. Tucker and Mr. Neto and I are going to, uh, Hopefully, give you the best possible uh, coverage we can uh, come uh, come two more months. So, 
I'll wave wistfully as your plane leaves the country. Thank you. I appreciate that. <laughs> you might you might be going with us, you know, again. We'll we'll sell one of Strago's hats for three grand and he can jump on the plane with us. So <laughs> that is right there, a podcast worn. It's an official outfit. Exactly. Tag. Autographed. And he, yeah, he'll sign it. He'll sign it for three grand. Are you kidding me? What we well and if you want the pitch, this is this is made this hat was <laughs> this made the real... in the oldest hat factory in England. Uh, and uh, is made by Gorin Brothers. It's it's sold by Gorin Brothers here in the United States. It's a wonderful. It's got a lovely gray plaid to it with a little bit of blue. So if we want to get a little bit, a oh, little put bit that back on. Good God, shiny, isn't it? <laughs> I wouldn't know anything about that. You complain about your follicle deficiencies. <laughs> oh, so it's the oldest hat company in the in the in the England. Well, it's made in the oldest hat factory, okay. in this specific one. Very nice. So, I bought yeah. it brand new for the CI Summit. Very nice. Oh, very cool. Very cool. Yes. Because it was very chilly in Florida last month. So. When you have nothing to keep the heat well, in, it's true. chilly everywhere. Yeah, I, Thank you. My follically challenged, you know, whatever. All right. Uh, guys, that's going to do it for this week. Uh, it's been a heck of a week. Uh, I was sitting at a Starbucks getting ready to meet our, our friend Gina Sansevero. Uh, and uh, I get a bunch of tweets and, and emails saying, hey, we made it. Yay, cool. So, yes, uh, thank you very much. Mr. Chris Netto and all your technical difficulties, thank you, sir. Thank you. Where can people find you? And, and your... I'm hoping that I can stay on for the next... <laughs> I hope this, this uh, connection will stay on for another whatever two minutes. Yeah. Where you can find me, you find me online, Chris underscore Netto on Twitter. Uh, my company's uh, website, which is avhelpdesk.com. And you can find me and other production crew now on Baby Nisha website. All right, very good. Uh, Mr. Shrago and uh, and your hat, uh, you have become our editor uh, in chief for the blog. So, where can people find you in addition to your sound reason? Uh, in addition to that, you can find me on the Infocom uh, Certification Steering Committee. Yay! You can... You can find me on the tweets at AJSRAGO. Uh, you can find me on LinkedIn and Google+. Also, uh, the ca it's officially a hashtag now. It is AVCAP. Thank you, John Green. Very nice. Uh, <laughs> that didn't take long. <laughs> so if you would like to make sure that I get to join these other three gentlemen in ISE, it is $3,000. And yeah, <laughs> I'll be counting on that donation, oh, really, man. I swear. Uh, and of course, you know, I'm. I threw up my uh, year-end recap piece, and my gratitude goes out to the three of you guys for everything that you've allowed me to be a part of as well. So, uh, thank you, and and thanks to all the tweets that help make the community what it is. It's mm -hmm. it's been an incredible year for the AV industry, and for me and personally uh, in the AV industry. So, my gratitude goes out to a lot of people. Um, no, thank you. Yeah, you've been everything from the word go so 31 blogs in 31 days and josh touched every single one of those so um mr uh, mr tucker thank you sir thank you uh people can find me well anywhere on social media if it's a platform tucker twos is probably there okay. uh commercial integrator tech decisions magazine here on aviation yes all that all of uh, speaking of John Green, uh, thanks to him, we're doing a, a, an AV sweater contest. Uh, I was going to debut the song, and Chris is going to, well, Chris has dropped off now again, so. Um, no, I'm okay. You okay? Uh, Phil Cordell has made an AV Christmas song. Uh, Hi-Fi has created this. Um, I, I was not able to play it for the, the people here, but I will tack it on the end uh, of the podcast, and uh, and you can listen to it there. Um it's very good. Uh, there is going to be a video associated with it uh, that will include uh, Mr. Hi-Fi as well as all of the AV sweaters. So uh, the folks that over at Advanced AV uh, and John Green are giving us uh, some gift certificates uh, to, uh, to the best and or worst um, uh, AV sweater. I'm not quite sure how you want to couch it, but, you know, best or worst, eh, either one. Uh, so check that out if you would uh, get your you get yours in this week because uh, the contest ends I think the nineteenth is that right Chris? That is correct. All right. And uh, there's actually two videos coming out. There are two videos coming out. Yes, uh, and actually a, a another song. And all I'm going to say about this song is, um, it is a parody of the Taylor Swift song, "Blank." Is it blank tape? 
or blank space? Well, if it's her, I generally uh, assume it's a blank space. Very nice. Very well done. Mm. Uh, my kids it's listen. A du- all, all I know, Tim, is that it's a duet. It's a duet, yes. Uh, and it is a Taylor Swift uh, parody. So is all I am at liberty to say. So, so keep can your we ears. Just, can, can we just warn people that it's not John Green who will be part of that duet? I didn't say who it was. Okay. I, I didn't say I there. wasn't I going to, get, to release. Want to make the, that official? John I was Green not, is not the duet. Why do we have to say that? It could have been John Green. It could have been. It could have been. Because Twitter's lighting up with people saying, oh. <laughs> "Please, not John Green singing." I see. I don't, yeah, I don't. I don't read the Twitter during during the show because it just confuses me. I can barely walk and chew gum at the same time. So, uh, all right. Uh, don't follow me on the on the Twitterverse if you would. I at this point, I'm complaining about the Bears and. Looking forward to Christmas. Uh, but go by the website, if you would, please. Avnation.tv. Avnation.tv. These three gentlemen and a whole bunch of other people do an awful lot of work. Uh, put an awful lot of blood, sweat, and tears into it. Um, at this point, I'm just showing up and looking pretty. Um, and I'm not doing a One very of us good job. I'm not doing a very good job of, job of that either. <laughs> uh, so tons of new shows. I mean, seriously, guys. Uh, you guys have really come together. Uh Anthony Zotti's got one of, of uh, for uh, AV Networking. Uh, our buddy Phil Cordell has a weekly rap called Tech Rap, where he literally raps, as in the musical genre, uh, the tech news of the week in about two or three minutes. Um, the AV uh, Crosstalk. Uh, we are returns. returns. And let me just say this, because I know who the, the next two combatants are. You do not want to miss, this. miss this. Oh, no. baby. Uh, yeah. Battle Royale. Yeah, Battle Royale. Uh, we may even take a line on this. You'll start <laughs> send Tucker around with, with 20s and 10s in his hand. Um, so, yeah, that, that's uh, the first part of, of January. So, yeah, you don't you don't want to miss that. Uh, just updated all the RSS feeds, um, and I'm making a, an RSS page uh, on the website. So in case you don't use iTunes, you can just go there and click and copy and paste and use whatever uh, pod uh, podcatcher you want. So, avnation.tv, avnation.tv, thank you again uh, for helping us out, Kickstarter. Uh, we will do our best and, uh, and bring you the best possible coverage we can from ISC. Thanks so much for watching. Thanks so much for listening. This has been AV Week. <laughs>